Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We were going to play the game today, and if we had needed him to win the game, we would have pitched him. But, you know, whatever happens on Sunday, we've got his length there. Uh, that's, that's another big asset for us. We didn't have to waste it. But if we, he could have pitched any today and still been available, but he'll be more available. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Yo, with Tony LaRusso answering a, a valid question following Game 2 about Michael Kopech and why he is yet to be used in this playoff series, the ALDS against the Astros, with which the White Sox now trail two games to none. And I am David Hall with Bruce Levine inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score for another hour broadcasting live here from the Hyundai Score Studios. Please now to go out to our guest hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find our colleague every morning. You can hear her 9 to noon with Dan Bernstein, Layla Rahimi, joined us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Layla. Thanks for getting up, and thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm hungover after watching that game, even though that wasn't the uh, that wasn't the intended effect or the substance. But bad baseball games will do that to us, right? So after two losses, what bothers you the most about the White Sox in the, in the fact that they are now in this whole day of dug for themselves and and there's a lot there's a lot of things that we have already discussed Layla but I know that you probably have a pretty long list. <laughs> yeah, um, I, it starts with the the Tony Larissa quote that you just heard post game. The idea that you don't want to use Michael Kopech after using Lucas Giolito and I would say perhaps leaving him in the game too long. We've seen Giolito show signs of fatigue early this whole season. Yesterday was no different. And instead of bringing in Kopech, which is what you stretched him out for, you bring in Crochet. And to me, this was, this was malpractice in this situation. Road wins are so hard to come by for this White Sox team. We've all seen the splits. If you have a chance to win a road game in that ballpark against that team, you figure that out first. The odds are on your side that you're going to get the win at guarantee rate on Sunday. Layla, you know, it's a great point that you make about uh, use of players, but um, what about the fact that the players out there, and uh, I guess you include Giolito and you include Lynn, haven't got the the job done as of yet? 
Well, I, I think it's it's a double-edged sword, a double a two-headed snake, don't you, Bruce? The idea that when people aren't deployed the way that they possibly could be, and you've got all these weapons, and we've seen the struggle all really since the trade deadline of trying to figure out how to manage the bullpen properly, trying to figure out how to manage the players you have on the field, the lineup construction, trying to see how you combine a set of individuals who hasn't been healthy together and how you want to use them. How are you going to use Gavin Sheet? How are you going to platoon Andrew Vaughn? We saw the late switch yesterday before the game even started with Jose Abreu and Andrew Vaughn at DH and first base. And I think there's a lot to that. That's the luxury of having this roster of players. Now, the runners in scoring position problem, that's been an issue all season. But you know that. So the job now is how to work around it to the best of everyone's ability. So all season long, Layla, you've been part of the conversation and you have heard the rhetoric about, you know what, the White Sox, they're bum slayers. They can't beat a team over 500. And we look at the record and it backs up sort of those things. And going into the playoffs, uh, I was one of those guys that thought, okay, they're going to be able to change the, the tone of that conversation. They're going to be able to raise their level of play. Hasn't happened yet. Where are you on that conversation and, and how uh, – how this this series has either met your expectations or or confirmed your fears. Well, I did I did get some pushback when I excitedly looked toward the series like the Astros series that this team had, the Rays series. How are we going to see those play out? Were they indeed playoff previews? And Unfortunately, after a lot of the games, it was, oh, it's just the regular season. Oh, we don't care. Oh, just wait till October. Well, it's October, and now we're seeing them down 0-2. You're right about that, Layla. Uh, but when you look at the overall rosters of both teams and you compare them, what would your pick going into this series, what do you feel has to be done one game at a time by the White Sox the rest of the way to come back and win it? Well, I, I think when we all saw the playoff roster, Bruce and David, we knew what the priority was. It was, it was on defense. We saw Cesar Hernandez still be on that roster. We saw the choices that they made. I appreciated Gavin Sheets being on there. Dallas Keuchel not being on that playoff roster, I don't mind, given what we've seen out of him the last couple months. So... The question now becomes, how are you going to use Michael Kopech on Sunday? How healthy is Carlos Rodon? When do you plan on taking him out? Because now that you've managed everything for this game on Sunday, rather than perhaps seeing what's in front of you, what do you expect to do? Am I worried about the lineup at home on Sunday night? I am not. This is where they hit well. This is where they play well. But the question now becomes, how are you using that bullpen properly? Are you going to piggyback? Are we going to see Dylan Cease? And that's really where the challenges come in. I wondered out loud, Bruce, earlier in the week with everyone, if perhaps knowing Lynn's numbers against the Astros and knowing that Giolito faces them well, and we saw it again yesterday, even in his small sample size, was it the wrong idea to have Lynn throw game one? Should it have been Giolito instead, hoping you get to that fifth game? Layla, uh, when you, you, you are now the manager of the White Sox before game three. So you have the opportunity, not only like we all do, to second guess this going in, but to first guess what Layla Rahimi would do if she's managing the White Sox starting in game three. 
It is your turn, Manager Rahimi. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, Bruce, I I hope you're paying me the salary that I deserve. I trust that you do. Uh, (laughs) I would start... I would still start. I would still start with Carlos Rodon, and I think the if you get him one time through the order and you see those signs of fatigue and you see his velocity go down, then I would go ahead and I would piggyback him. And this is where I would get a little crazy with Dylan Cease because you haven't used him yet either. And if that's one time through the order, then you go to Michael Kopech and you stretch him out for the second and third times through the order because I still like his role being there. I personally. Since Liam Hendricks has said a multitude of times that he doesn't care where he throws, I would not be afraid of throwing Liam Hendricks an inning and a half, two innings, an inning and two-thirds. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I would not be afraid of throwing him one-plus innings. And then then I would use Kimbrell. I still believe that Kimbrell is most comfortable in the ninth. We've heard the former Cubs themselves even talk about that. We've seen the ERA numbers work in his favor. Is this getting a little Rick Renteria game three against Oakland type? Yes. But unfortunately, that's the position they're in right now. I also think it depends on the run support. So I am bullish in thinking that they're going to get the run support at home that they want. But the problem is, might the Astros also as well, because their bats have definitely hit for more bases than the White Sox so far. And you're bold in that approach, Layla, but I think this may call for boldness when you're down 2-0 to to a team as good as the Astros and as complete as they are. I think you're also a little fearless, and I think that's why people like your sports opinions. And so I'm not, I'm not going to read your entire Twitter feed, but you did have a tweet last night, which I thought was very interesting. And, and you can anticipate what might happen next if the Sox are unable to win this series. You know how the conversation will go in Chicago. You mentioned Rick Renteria. He was fired for the way that he mismanaged the bullpen against the A's. Tony La Russa was brought here to change all of that. If he was going to do one thing well, it was because he was – going to manage the bullpen in October. So you tweet out, tell me again about the Sox manager fired last year for in-game decision-making. Do you think that there will be calls for that? Do you think there will be conversation about that if the Sox cannot come back and win this series? You know, I don't because I think Jerry Reinsdorf wanted Tony Larusa. That was obvious. There were no other candidates interviewed. But I think it stands to be discussed in this moment that this is why you hired him. This is when Rick Hahn in the Ricky Renteria firing press conference said, we want somebody with postseason experience. Well, here it is. Here's the postseason. Here's the experience. Here's the confidence that fans placed in him on knowing what to do in the playoffs. And I think it is really interesting that we are sitting here talking about how one of the key weapons, one of the best pitchers you have in your arsenal, after two games, one of which was very winnable yesterday, you chose not to use because you're too concerned about game three when, once again, the odds are in your favor. And it comes down to having that value list. A road win, in my opinion, is more valuable in that moment than managing for the third game when the odds are in your favor. Layla, good point. I wonder if that's uh, going to get called out. Great points that you bring up. Um, my next question to you is, is it just possible that the Houston Astros are a better team? Of course it is. But it's also possible that the resources we've seen from the White Sox haven't been deployed in manners that have given them any favors as well. Kimbrell might be the best example here. Did we see a better version of Craig Kimbrell in the first half of the season? There's no doubt that answer is yes. But is he being used in the best way? And 
at the end of the day, it doesn't come down to just roster construction. It comes down to trying to figure out who is supposed to be in those places used in the right way. Who's your secret weapon? How are you going to use the bench? And I don't know that the bench was used in the best way either, but you guys both know singles aren't going to cut it, but this roster was supposed to. Did you wonder when Garrett Crochet came in the game, did you immediately think that where's Michael Kopech or did did you wonder about using him back to back? I just, look, I, I, I am with you on Kopech a hundred percent. And I think that that's going to be the one thing that's a very difficult thing to um, explain away. And that's one of those, that's one of those moves or non moves that sticks with the manager long after the fact and in, in, indelibly in our, in our sports memories. But um, I'm not sure that I first guessed the crochet move. I feel like when you see him hitting 97, 98, and, and with that kind of velocity, I, I don't want to say immediately I felt like he was gonna, that was going to backfire. I did wonder about the Gilito, you know, whether or not he was brought, taken out too early. I think the difference with crochet in this moment is we saw how the Astros attacked the fastball the day before. And we saw the production out of that lineup and, and the threat that they have. And just especially with that ballpark and the dimensions that team is built for it. And I know that Crochet is very much in the second year for him. But in that moment on the road, if you're going, because we always see Crochet and Kopech warming up in tandem a lot of times during the regular season, we see them be used back to back. To me, I always think of the two in some sort of symmetrical manner. I thought to myself, forget forget the idea of, of what you're trying to do matchup-wise. To me, at the end of the day, Michael Kopech was the better pitcher suited for that situation. Maybe use Crochet later, because I think the, the White Sox, if the momentum had been different, would have given more run support. But unfortunately, this was the move that I thought was, was the most obvious in the change of philosophy or maybe the strategy that we saw really cause that game to slip out of the Sox hands. Respect, respectfully agree with you that if you're going to bring in um, Kopech, it would be to start the fifth inning. I agree with that. Respectfully disagree with you about their best left-handed hitter being up there in that situation and bringing in a power arm to try to strike him out. Because that that was a turning point uh, in the game. He walks the first guy he faces. You can always argue that Bummer would have been the better choice at that point if you needed to bring in a left-hander to face their their best left-handed power hitter at that point. But uh, it, it's interesting to be able to go up and back on this, and uh, we can all we can all be right about it right now. Uh, but moving forward, when you look at tomorrow's game, you, you chose Rodan. Do you, still, do you still think Rodan, is it the Rodan that you saw the first half of the year, Layla, or the Rodan that you saw the second half of the year that is best matched to go up against that great right-handed hitting lineup of Houston with uh, possibly 91-92 instead of 96-98? to Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that I still think you've got, you know, the Carlos Rodan that we're seeing now is not the same that we saw earlier. But for me, it's a situation where he's he's hyped himself up the entire season for this moment. He's wanted this the entire year. We saw him visibly frustrated after he struggled in previous starts. And I just like the idea of being able to trust him in that situation. Mike Petriello said it in game one, and I 
I don't. I we need to see Dylan Cease in that game in some way, shape, or form. But I think uh, I think Cease might be more flexible in how they use him versus Rodon. I think Rodon is more comfortable starting. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I still think I'd give Dylan Cease a chance to come out there, and he has been as good as any starter, and he's going to be amped up and, and throwing the heat. And you need him to miss some bats against a team that doesn't really strike out a lot. So, you, But it's an interesting dilemma, and the Sox uh, hopefully will have um, Monday morning to consider who, who to start in Game 4, and hopefully there will be a Game 4, and tomorrow night will be as special as everybody expects. Layla, I want to take a step back for a second and, and look around the rest of the playoffs. I know that you've been watching. I know that you have baseball thoughts, and I promise not to make a 2011 reference to your dear, dearly departed <laughs> Rangers, but... Uh, when you watch the other series, what stands out? There was the Chris Bryant homer. There was the Red Sox uh, offensive explosion. What have you seen that uh, you've liked and appreciated in the uh, the rest of the playoff field? Man, how about that Brewers 2-1 to win over the Braves last night? That oh. was something. Because for everybody who's been keying in on their pitching and Cubs fans know it all too well, having seen it many times this year, they did not mess around. And I was very curious about that Rowdy Telez trade because we saw him hit Craig Kimbrell, uh, or not Craig Kimbrell, rather, Liam Hendricks so well. Telez was almost a nemesis facing Hendricks. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting trade. And then Telez comes through. It was a very Brewers type of trade, in my opinion. And once again, just paid off for them, I think, really, really well. I, I got to say, especially facing Charlie Morton, I was very impressed with what I saw out of Milwaukee. Once again, we see Chris Bryant just in a good position to succeed with the Giants. I think that they asserted why they were the top team in the league and in the NL West and their four to nothing win over the Dodgers. That was that was a, a very impressive win, I'd say, and, and a very like typical West Coast uneventful one too, in a way that really worked out for San Francisco. What Brandon Belt has meant to that team too has just been very fun to watch. Buster Posey, it, it's such an interesting combination right now that's working for them. And then the Red Sox Rays game, I mean, that was just wild. We've seen some very entertaining games out of those two so far, so I don't expect anything else for the third one. She is Layla Lahimi. She is one half of Bernstein and Rahimi. She brings it every day, 9 to noon here on The Score, weighing in on the White Sox and with some strong opinions. Thanks for joining us, Layla. Oh, yeah, happy to be here. And, Bruce, when you hire me to be the manager, don't be surprised if you're my bench coach. I mean, that's just how this works. <laughs> they're going to say, Layla, they're going to say I'm too old to be a bench coach. So uh, you might have to go with a younger choice. But thanks again for joining us. Keep up the great work with Dan, and uh, we'll be listening to you all week. Thanks, Layla. Bruce, you never left the game for a reason, and you're not going to do it now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, bench coach Bruce Levine. How about that, Bruce? you gotta, you got to get a promotion. Too old, David. Too old. Well, just as long yeah. as you continue to keep your, your your Saturday mornings free, you're not too old. Look at the look at the managers in the dugout, Bruce. Come on. You're, be, you're their intern. Look, uh, I could fit in right with all these managers. I thought it was interesting yesterday, David, that the MLB game that was covered was covered by a guy that was 81, 67, and 65. That was the that was that, those were the announcers when you had uh, Jim Cott, Bob Costas, and uh, and uh, Buck Showalter announcing the game on MLB and. Uh, 
there was a little sidebar there, of course, that we can get to at, at some point as well, where there was a little uh, gaffe by um, Jim Cott that was quickly corrected about a comment that he made. But my point is, is that uh, that was your that was your senior commentary for games game three, uh, game two for the White Sox. Yeah, it was an unfortunate comment by Jim Cott, and he tried to apologize and, and walk that back. And those never really hit well because they always seem somewhat insincere and rushed. And I think that uh, certainly fits that category. So during the game, you heard their um, insight analysis. And after the game, Bruce, I think we heard Tony La Russa questioned about the things that Layla brought up and will continue to, to discuss. To me, there's a lot to look at with the first two games. The Michael Kopech question is going to be one that Tony La Russa struggles to answer if this gets away from the White Sox. That is, to me, one of the bigger things that – it's inexplicable to me. You have a, a, a weapon at your disposal that all season long we talked about how to groom him, how to prepare him for this moment. And there's been two games in which these moments have presented themselves, and in two games they have passed. If Tony La Russa was brought here to fix the bullpen and to push the right buttons in October, why has he not called on Michael Kopech yet? Why is Michael Kopech still not pitched to a single batter? Well, that's what I love about modern baseball right now. <clears throat> and if the White Sox were not going to win the first series, the second series, the third series, or lose, you know, altogether in the World Series, <clears throat> it was going to be Tony LaRusso's fault no matter what. Okay? That was just how it was set up. It's going to be. It's going to, okay. There's no timeout, David. There's no okay. timeout. It's going to be because we have spent uh, we've spent a good part of an hour talking about moves that weren't made and didn't work out. But we we spent very little time talking about the fact that the White Sox as a team and the players on the field have not gotten the job done yet. Okay, so it's the world we live in. It's an interesting world because it's always someone else's fault. But uh, I always look to the players on the field. I look at the starting pitchers. I look at the bullpen pitchers that pitched quite well all year long that brought in that were brought in. I look at the hitters and I go, they gave their best effort. Okay. They didn't get it done. They were beaten by a better team on both days. And uh, put a little bit of the onus on the players getting Just to push the job back. done. Just to push back slightly before we break. The White Sox didn't do that. The White Sox didn't put it on the players after 2020. The White Sox didn't put it on the players after they failed to beat the A's. They put it on the manager. They put it at the feet of Rick Renteria, and they said, you know what, thanks for the memories, bye-bye, nice guy, you're going to finish last. He was fired. They brought in Tony La Russa for this series, for this month. And in fairness, Bruce, I wrote and praised the job that Tony La Russa has done this year on 670thescore.com this week, like a lot of people who weighed in, said, you know what, give him credit. It, you know, it, it looks like it could be worth all the fuss. The controversy aside, now we're down to baseball. Now we're down to what he's supposed to do best. Now we're down to Tony's month. Tony's month has not gone well. So I think that in fairness, yeah, it's on the players, but you brought the manager here for a reason, and that reason – has not presented itself yet in two losses to the Astros. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you have a, your opinion. I have mine. I prefer to put. I, I prefer to look at players and say, you either get the job done or you don't. You're a championship caliber team. You're brought there to get people out. And if it doesn't work out, we haven't spent five seconds on uh, the fact that Crochet walks the first guy. Okay, 
we've, we've spent a good amount of time talking about, well, he didn't get the job done, so it should be Michael Kopech. I think it's all fair. Yeah. I, I mean, would I have preferred to see Kopech in there, after, uh, like Layla said, right, uh, right after the fourth inning? Yeah, I think that would have been the proper time. Not when, the, not when their top left-handed hitter is up. I'm not bringing him in for that. Uh, as I said, uh, there, there's one other point before we go to break, and that is this is the best fastball hitting team in baseball. Do we agree on that? Yes. Yes. And what does Michael Kopech do the best? Okay. He does what Lance Lynn does the best. He throws fastballs. Right. And he was a game one starter. Right. So if it hadn't worked out with Kopech in there, what would we be talking about? Why didn't they bring in a left-hander in that situation? It could have been bummer. It could have been crochet. That's the beauty of sports. That's the beauty yep. of sports radio. That's why we make a living doing this uh, most of the time. Well, because you can, in the, in the, in the, after the fact, all of us are 100% right. We've never been wrong. So, Bruce, let's not put it on the players. Let's not put it on the managers. Let's put it on the fans. And the fans tomorrow night are being asked to dress in black and not for a White Sox funeral, but because it's a blackout game, it is White Sox Astros game three. Brooks Boyer will talk to us next about what that event will feel like and what has gone into its preparation here inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ain't nothing like being at home. And, uh, you know, can't wait to get back. You know, it's going to be the first one since 2008. So uh, I'm pretty sure the place going to be rocking. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. That was the voice of Tim Anderson anticipating tomorrow's big event, tomorrow's Game 3, the first home playoff game at 35th and Shields in 13 years, and the White Sox are prepared to re and ready to meet the moment, and that is where we find our next guest on the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book, senior vice president, chief revenue and marketing officer for the Chicago White Sox, Brooks Boyer. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Brooks. How how excited are you for tomorrow? Well, I, I you know I always you know when I hear Bruce sing uh, the the Jeff Vuk uh, jingle, you, you probably had that stuck in your head. So yeah. I can be Brooks for the rest of the show, though. I did. Uh, yeah. I did. Obviously, wish we would have come back with uh, with at least one. Uh, but you know, as, as they say, David, you've been around a long time. Um, you know, no no series uh, really matters until someone wins on someone else's field. So they got to come to our place, and you know, we'll take it a game at a time and 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 see what happens. 
Brooks, uh, when you uh, are preparing, and by the way, welcome into the show and congratulations on a great year. Nothing more satisfying uh, to me as a baseball fan than watching fans show up in full capacity at both your park and Wrigley Field this year. That was the number one highlight for me. But uh, as we segue toward the playoffs, give, give us a, a little capsule of what fans should know about coming out to the game tomorrow, especially with a marathon early in the day and uh, some of the things that uh, they should be prepared for before they come out to the game. Well, first is, is going to be we're black. You know, we, we know that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a great atmosphere. But when coming to the game, if you do not have a prepaid parking pass, go directly to the remote lots. Uh, there are remote lots at IIT. There are remote lots at uh, McCormick Place. Uh, go to 31st and State if you don't have a parking pass. Uh, if you have a red parking pass, prepaid parking pass, you're going to be on the north side of the ballpark. If you have a green parking pass, you are going to be on the south side of the ballpark. Uh, so plan accordingly. All the information is at whitesox.com. Uh, get there early. Yes, the, the, the marathon is earlier in the day. I, I, I don't think we'll be impacted by street closures uh, by, by the time uh, that people start start coming to the ballpark. But, but plan accordingly. Uh, get there early. Uh, if, if you're going to try to game the system by looking at, a, at an app, you could end up in the wrong place, and you're going to be frustrated. If you do that, please don't call or email. You know, we're trying to tell everybody where to go and what to do to make it as easy as possible. Uh, and, and I think uh, once we get people in there, I think what can be expected is a, is a terrific atmosphere uh, filled by some excited White Sox fans. Brooks, I think when you look back to 2008 and, and the original – blackout game and it, it created this indelible memory and, and maybe even it, it uh, if anybody was going to that game as a young uh, boy or girl and in a baseball fan it kind of made an impression and it was something they always wanted to duplicate and what a special occasion that was in terms of trying to you know not necessarily duplicate it but but obviously it's been a long time but when this moment presented itself again organically how did it come to mm-hmm the point where now you're saying all right we're black we're gonna have a blackout game we're gonna embrace this even though it was something a long time ago we're gonna try to take advantage of every opportunity here and you hit the nail on the head it's 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 gonna be nearly impossible to replicate 2008 if if you remember that game was a game that was not on the schedule Uh, we had to win the day before there were going to be no twins fans at that game uh, because they would have had they, they couldn't make travel arrangements our fans were so jacked up for that game, and and really, you know, to to do what our fans did uh, to create that atmosphere was was unbelievable. You know, it's it's almost like going back to you know going back to the Field of Dreams. You know, how how can you recreate that ending? You know, you, you can't do it. So this is going to be something that is unique unto itself. And you know, I I just think you never know with White Sox fans what, what's going to happen. We didn't know what 2008 was going to feel like or be like, uh, but I, I have a, I'm pretty confident that at first pitch you're going to see an, an atmosphere that we haven't seen in a long time at the, at the ballpark. So, so very excited to get there. Brooks Boyer, our guest for a few more minutes on Inside the Club, Clubhouse. I'm Bruce. He's David. We're here for you 52 weeks out of the year on Saturday, 9 to 11, talking the greatest sport in the world, Major League Baseball. Brooks, you have great, young, energetic, uh, 
enthusiastic, outstanding young players to promote. Uh, maybe homegrown with this amount for the first time in your career on your job. What has that been like for you and your people to be able to have uh, these players and this moment now after so many years of uh, having good teams, but not necessarily the, the homegrown variety? And it's it's terrific because our our fans have seen these guys. You know, and, you know, we have great partners at NBC Sports Chicago that put minor league games on there, so you could see these guys developing and 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 what was all part of the plan. Uh, we do. We, we we are so lucky and blessed to have likable players that that fans can root for, that do things the right way. I know you guys have talked about it on your show. You've witnessed it yourself. Just the interaction that Eloy Jimenez has with fans when he, when he comes out to, to, to warm up. You know, I, I've said this a number of times, is, is we are, are lucky uh, that, that we work in an industry uh, where grown men can play a kid's game. And, and for, for us, we're lucky because they play it like kids. They love playing. They love each other. Uh, they, they interact with fans. So they're very easy to promote because uh, they are so likable, genuinely likable, and, and just good guys that, that want to win baseball games. And, and I think our fans uh, appreciate the way they, uh, they approach the game every single day. Well, Brooks, yeah, they're entertaining. They're enthusiastic. They embrace, they, they embrace the, the reality of being, you know, baseball players, uh, play, playing a, a kid's game in, in, in a very childlike fashion. And I think fans have responded to that. I don't know how you interpreted these numbers. I, that's why I guess I'm asking. You know, the, the Sox 14th in the league in attendance, it's averaging 20,466, 78 home dates. Obviously, everybody in your role would want to have maybe every seat filled and, and having more seats filled. But I think it's a different reality for the sports fan in the summer of 2021. It's, it's almost different to consider going anywhere anymore. So when you look at those numbers and you see the Sox 14th in the league in attendance, how uh, how is the right way to look at that? Well, I mean, it's it's a little bit skewed because we started with twenty five percent capacity, uh, then went to sixty percent capacity, and and then obviously finally one hundred. So those twenty five percent capacity games are mixed into in, into those those numbers. Uh, but for us to be climbing, you know, for for us to 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 be where where we're at, obviously. On the business side, you know, our, we try to reset the bar, and, and you know, we think we have a, a team and a product uh, and a value that we offer to our season ticket holders, to to the fans that come in the game. Uh, you know, we're always trying to raise the bar, and if we can raise the bar for our fans, and we can change the game ourselves, we we talk a lot about, you know, our our brand truth is is we're trying to change the game, and and so much of that is the way our guys play. You could say, you know, if there is a, you know, if, if you could take NBA to uh, to Major League Baseball, you know, our guys play like NBA players, and 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 you know, they get after it. They have a lot of fun. Uh, there's some showmanship to it, and and some of the baseball purists don't like that. But these are our guys, and and that's what they do. They make it fun, which allows us to continue to build the excitement when people come in, and it's reflected in the numbers. You know, we. we We've we've started and and we're on we're on our way and and you know we're trying to change the game off the field as as well. Taking that a step further, Brooks, uh, what is the Tim Anderson factor for marketing the White Sox and promoting this stand-up uh, great uh, young player uh, who, as you said, uh, 
has an NBA feel to it. It's brought an NBA feel to baseball, something that I thought was much needed for a long period of time where teams could actually feel good about promoting their players without worrying about what they have to pay them in five, six, or seven years. Mm. That has been the undoing of Major League Baseball. And to, to be honest about it, it's been the undoing of uh, baseball ownership and the promoting of game, games because of the fact that they hesitated to promote their own players because of the cost it might, it, it might, it might mm. cost them down the road. Well, obviously we ignore that. <laughs> that doesn't factor into our decisions because we, we put our players out there as much as we possibly can. When you talk about Tim Anderson, and the dude is cool. I mean, he's just you know, the, the, the greatest guy. And, and you know, if I text him, it's not a day. You know, it's not ignored. You know, I usually get something back really quick. He just he gets it. He, he understands the value of the fans and the connectivity of the, of the fans. Uh, with the with the players, he's a great follow on social media. He's just he, he, you're right, Bruce. He's he's like. Now, luckily, I spent ten years in the NBA, so have a little bit of frame of reference on it. It's like having an NBA player because he just gets it and and is willing to interact with the fans. And he's a heck of a player that you know has a, a flair for the dramatic when when he plays. So it, having guys like that, not just T.A., but a, a Lucas Giolito, a Jose Abreu, a Yoan Moncada. I mean, just go, you just keep going down lines. Eloy, Luis Robert, all these, these are guys that, that, that get it, but they're mostly focused on winning games, and that's, that's what they want to do. And, and, and that's why it's so fun to, to market this team uh, because they are guys that, that get it and, and they love the support and they feed off the crowd. And I think that's what you're going to see uh, tomorrow night, I think you're going to see a team really feeding off the crowd, and you take it one game at a time and see what happens. Brooks, enjoy the moment. It, it's been waiting a long time, but hopefully it will be all worth the wait Sunday night at Guaranteed Rate Field. Yeah, hoping it's not just a moment. Hopefully we can get two here and head back to Houston and see what we can do. Enjoy Brooks, the month, thanks. then. I stand corrected. Right. Exactly <laughs> thanks, right. guys. Go Sox. All right, Brooks Boyer, Senior Vice President of the Chicago White Sox, ready for – the blackout game tomorrow night, guaranteed rate field. It's going to be a spectacle, Bruce. It's going to be a cool occasion. It's going to be a happening. We don't know yet who is going to be on the mound. We don't know yet what to expect from the White Sox, but I guess we'll get that news later today. My, my choice is John Garland. If he's available, I'm going with Garland. Uh, he's been pitching well lately. 19 games in uh, two years in a row. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. About he's not on the Britt team Burns, anymore. Lamar Hoyt. Britt Burns would be fine. Uh, right. I, I still expect the White Sox to make a series out of this. I picked the White Sox in five games. I'm going to stick with that right now uh, because uh, no matter what the attitude is about uh, Houston, they are a wonderful team. I like the White Sox at home. I like them carrying this to five games. That's Bruce Levine. We're going to get his thoughts on the rest of the playoff series going on across Major League Baseball, weigh in on those and what's happening around the game as we wrap up inside the clubhouse here next on Chicago Sports Radio 6-7, the score. In the air, left field, back, Pollock, gone! Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7, the score. David Hall, Bruce Levine here for a final segment. That was uh, courtesy of TBS, the highlight. Chris Bryant, Chris Giant, going deep, Bruce, going yard. Giants beat the Dodgers. 
like to see the success Chris Bryant is having in San Francisco. Wish him well. He's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Great story this week's edition. Everybody should check it out. Um, yeah, a lot of ex-Cub factors going on. A lot of ex-Chicago connections from Chris Sales to Kyle Schwarber. Oh, did you see who's leading off for the Braves, Bruce? Or hey, Soler. My goodness sakes. Tommy LaStella. I thought the Cubs couldn't find a leadoff man after Dexter Fowler. Wow. <clears throat> You shouldn't be a hater like that, David. I no, mean, I'm not. I'm just asking. Why? <laughs> Come on. Oh it's, boy. Uh, I love I love the Chris Giant handle rather than Chris Bryant. It's it's so it's so good. It really is. But uh, yeah, X Cubs are really impacting uh, the playoffs, and uh, I don't think the uh, the Yankees get to uh, to to the wild card game without the contributions from Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Baez had a, a pretty good end of the season for the Mets as well. So worked out there. Hopefully the players they got back are going to be impactful players down the line. You have to wait a while to see that. But there there always is some regret when you see uh, former Chicago players contributing to other teams when they go into the playoffs. Chris Sale started game two for the Red Sox, gave up a grand slam. Mm-hmm. They come back and win that game 14-6 to football score. And that Red Sox offense is dangerous. So the Rays aren't going away. That is going to be a terrific series, Bruce. Besides the sale and Schorber and all the reasons we have in Chicago to kind of uh, identify or, or follow that series, what do you think happens next? And, and um, what team, if you're the White Sox, still with a you know, fighting chance, would you least like to see? Well, uh, Boston's going home with the advantage now, so you can't count against them on that. But I still like Tampa. Uh, they... They find a way to win. They find a way to get the right pitchers out there. They have the no-name pitching staffs every year that nobody knows any of the names until the playoffs start. By the end of the playoffs, you know, some of these guys are uh, known as some of the top players in baseball like they are. Um, I I just tip my hat every year to the Tampa Rays, uh, the way that with a uh, low payroll that uh, they have – the best analytics people, they have the best scouting people, uh, the people on the field know how to use the players the best. So uh, I, I'm not betting against Tampa uh, getting to the uh, ALCS. I hope it's against the White Sox. It would be a fun and matchup. In, I think that would be a great matchup because we would have a showcase of two of the most exciting players in the game. We talk about Luis Robert, who has backed up the big talk. Uh, against the Astros with a lot he's getting hits and he's getting on base and he's making some plays but Tampa my goodness sakes Randy Arena, this is somebody that stole home hits a home run in the same game his his skill set is comparable to Robert's skill set Bruce I mean this is an athletic player he has 11 post-game home runs already in uh just his second year okay he's a rookie, so basically it's, it's already if you look at his postseason numbers for last postseason, which was his first, he was already he's a rookie again this year, so he has a good chance to be the rookie of the year. And he he's already put up numbers that are okay in the top five or six, maybe seven for postseason players ever. Okay, and and he's got a long way to go. So it's amazing what he's done. It's fun to watch him. Uh, they have outstanding young pitching. Uh, it, it's a it's a really good ball club. Look, to me, with all due res- respect to the Dodgers and the Giants, the American League had 
probably five of the top seven teams in baseball. Uh, yep. They are really good. Their offenses, one through seven, one through eight in some cases, are potent. Uh, guys that bat sixth and seventh for these teams would normally bat third or fourth for other teams in baseball. It's just uh, fun to watch. And for pitchers, it's a nightmare to uh, try to match up. The National League is more about pitching and uh, winning by one run. The American League is pretty much outslugging the opponent. Slugfest, yeah, and I don't need to tell you, don't sleep on the Brewers. They reminded us last night, 2-1 to one victory, yeah. a tight victory over the Braves. Josh Hader shuts that one down, closes it up for the Brewers, and that is a dangerous team because of what you just said, Bruce. Pitching wins in October. David, great show that you lined up. Appreciate it very much. Uh, we thank our great producer, Adam Staczynski, for a job well done as usual. And uh, people can follow me at Twitter, MLB Bruce Levine, and on our website, Everyday Writing White Sox and Cub Baseball at 670thescore.com. We have other people to thank, David. Yes, great to, for you showing up this morning, Bruce. Thank you for, for playing her a little bit. We thank Layla Rahimi. We thank Brooks Boyer. We thank Paul Sullivan from the Tribune. Stay tuned. Mark Grody, Steve Rosenblum next, leading uh, the way, building a bridge. Two to five, special Parkins and Spiegel show from the Circa Las Vegas, live from Circa Swim. Stay here all day on The Score, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.